This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld. Waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You're crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 153 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it's our other host, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 153 of the DCAU Review. Right, we are continuing with our reviews of Batman the Animated Series all month long, and uh, this one is something of a rarity in that... We are watching an episode or reviewing an episode this week that is a direct sequel to a previous episode. There isn't a lot of direct continuity in a lot of these episodes other than the the literal two-parters or the, uh, you know, an occasional reference here and there. Obviously, the rec- we have recurring characters, but uh, this is a, this is definitely a, this is definitely a direct sequel to our previous villain's appearance in Feet of Clay. But this week, we are talking about the sequel episode, Mudslide. That's right. Uh, and as you said, uh, we did cover Feet of Clay already in the archives at dcaureview.com. You can head back uh, on your favorite podcast app or at dcaureview.com to check out the archives and listen to our review of that episode. If I recall, Liam, that episode sits in our top pick section. Uh, that was a, uh, it was a fairly high score. Was that a perfect episode? Uh, from myself, I believe, yes. I think it was top pick for both of us, but a perfect 40 for me. That's right. Uh, we, we, which is interesting because we know that uh, the first part of that episode, the, the visual and animation, maybe not uh, from our, definitely not from our favorite animation studio, uh, but uh, made <laughs> up for it more than enough in the second part. And uh, some great directing from uh, from friend of the show, Kevin Altieri, who uh, directed part two, I believe, of Feet of Clay. So uh, some, some great stuff there, some, some great stuff to, to talk about. But uh, today is you mentioned we are discussing mudslide uh so before we get into breaking down our four categories for this episode and the official imdb synopsis which you will provide to us i will let the listeners know that this episode originally aired on september the 15th 1993 uh, which means we are coming up here uh in just a few short months uh, it will be the 28 year anniversary of this show. And uh, interestingly, Liam, this episode actually aired uh, a, a little over a year, a year and a couple days after Feet of Clay Part One had originally aired. So this was uh, the, the sequel. They had to wait a little while. We had to wait a little while before there was a follow up to the Clayface episode. So uh, hit us with that official IMDb synopsis, if you will. Of course, and this is for the episode Mudslide, which was written by Alan Burnett and Steve Perry, uh, directed by Eric Radomski, with music by Shirley Walker, and animation by Studio uh, Junio, or Junio. I'm not 100% on how to pronounce that, but it's a, it's a rare studio. We don't talk about that much, but uh, that synopsis reads as such. Clayface resurfaces with his body's cellular integrity decaying. That's it? That's it. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, it, 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 that is indeed 
the truth, <laughs> I suppose we can <laughs> we can talk about that as we go forth here. Uh, but as you mentioned, Liam, in our in our sort of lead up to the official IMDb synopsis, which which gets gets I would get that as a grade. It gets an incomplete. Like if I gave that a final grade, it would be like you get an I. It's it's incomplete. There's there's not enough information there for me to grade it properly. So, um, but as you mentioned, this is a follow up. When we last left Matt Hagen slash Clayface, uh, he was believed to have been deceased by the police. As he, uh, they they, the final scene of that episode uh, would lead you to believe that he was electrocuted and taken away and then they realize that the corpse that they have at the morgue sort of disintegrates and there's this parting shot of Matt or somebody walking away from the hospital that whose eyes change color and begin to laugh uh, with the same voice as Clayface. So we know that Clayface will once again return, but uh, this time Clayface um, re reappears. He's breaking into a, uh, I guess a, a wealth advisor's office, I believe is our financial advisor's office and uh, we quickly learn that something is not quite the same or right with old Matt Hagen. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting opener there. So we just got this sort of cold open of these security guards talking. And then uh, a guy who happens to look a lot like one of the security guards goes up to the, uh, the, the uh, owner or CEO of this company's office to uh, help himself to the uh the contents of his safe uh the second security guard comes up to uh interfere there and he's sort of uh attacked by uh what turns out to be clayface there batman's kind of on the scene pretty quickly there and clayface actually gets the drop on batman and seemingly has him dead to rights but then uh the the clock dramatically strikes 12 and uh clayface seems to begin to kind of fall apart and uh he has sort of a low speed chase with Batman from there <laughs> through the streets of Gotham. You used to be faster, Hagen, not to mention neater. finally able to escape thanks to a uh, mysterious woman who shows up and uh, and uh, drives away with him just in the nick of time just as batman sort of has him uh, has him cornered so it's an interesting open to the episode because obviously we immediately establish there's no real mystery about who who the villain is this week um but it is it is very but it's also you establish not only is he back but obviously something is different something is wrong with him and that sort of is our driving force of the episode is Clayface and this doctor accomplice of his uh, trying to find ways to keep him from uh, degenerating as his, his condition is worse. And to not only can he not uh, sort of sh- shape change at will anymore, he can't even sort of hold form at all, even as that sort of giant, uh, you know, mud monster that he is that he is in his quote unquote true form. Now, even that like holding solid form at all is becoming impossible for him. Yeah. So there's a, there's a cut scene back where you're introduced to this, uh, this doctor that is sort of abating him and helping him to, to survive. And uh, they have this containment suit that she's been putting him in to sort of hold, literally hold him together uh, and, and try and try and hold him together by feeding him with these unnamed chemicals initially uh sort of pumping him through with it and uh it's it's very quick they give you a a quick insight that she clearly has feelings that go deeper than just trying to help matt hagan out she has some romantic interest and we will they'll we'll come to learn later on in the episode that uh she was actually a a consultant on one of matt hagan's films and that's how their their contact 
uh, originated and uh, Batman is able to deduce that through some detective work and through some help, uh, some help from, from his trusty Butler, Alfred. Uh, but you know, we, we get to see that she has romantic feelings for him and he, he is still very much uh, not feeling this whole monster gimmick. He, he enjoys the power, but at the same time, it seems like he's very much over it. And it's interesting because Batman uh, reiterates at the beginning, right, right as they're experiencing that low chase scene that, uh, or low speed chase scene that, uh, that he has, the offer still stands for him to help Hagen uh, and use Batman to use his resources to help Hagen to become human again. And Hagen very stubbornly announces that he does not need Batman's help. And this sort of leads to him trying to do this on his own. Um, the doctor sort of uh, through some exposition uh, says that she b- believes and so through some visual experiments have, d- have discovered that there's this one element that she believes can help solidify Matt Hagen and kind of reverse this degenerative process, not only reverse it to the point where he can begin to hold himself together, but that he might be able to be Matt Hagen wholly once again. Stella, I'm sorry. I know I owe everything to you. You cured more than my body. You cured my heart. I have something to show you, Matthew. Something new. watch how did you do that a new isotope mp40 an experimental mutagenic adaptogen i believe it can restore maybe even increase your powers perhaps permanently you can become matt hagen again forever where can we get this stuff well that's a problem the only large source is wayne biomedical labs It's rare, and it will be well protected. Protected from human thieves, maybe, but not from Clayface. No, Matthew, it's too risky. Without the suit, your structural integrity could go at any time. It's worth the risk. I'm not spending the rest of my life like this. But of course, wouldn't you know it, uh, they would have to go and break into... Uh, a Bruce Wayne owned company in order to obtain this chemical. So the irony being that Batman has offered to help him. He's rejected it, but then he goes to steal this chemical unknown, unbeknownst to him from Batman himself. Yeah. That's, uh, and that sort of leads to our second, uh, our second action beat of the episode as Batman kind of corners him and, and, uh, and he Clayface disguises himself as a as one of the scientists and sort of almost gets away. He ends up on a subway, but can't uh, can't maintain the form to blend in for uh, for any longer. And, and Batman is able to confront him on the subway and even kind of has him uh, has him dead to rights there using some uh, I guess liquid nitrogen, something that kind of freezes him. Uh, and uh, then Clayface kind of just dives out a window in an act of desperation and then lands in sort of a passing dump truck and, and is able to escape that way um, with, with the isotope. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, so it is from a, from a plot standpoint, pretty basic. It's just, you know, we get a little bit, like you said, of, of Clayface, we establish what this, his relationship with this doctor is from batman and that sort of sets up our final confrontation batman has another brief uh talk with alfred as they're sort of puzzling over what the connection is and and where they could be hiding and alfred makes a passing mention that the only uh, relationship with the doctor that clayface ever had was on screen when in a movie that matt hagan had starred in as you mentioned we we find out that that the doctor was in fact a a consultant on the film there's nothing here about any women doctors, Master Bruce. The ladies Mr. Hagen knew were generally of a less uh, intellectual class. We're missing something. I can't imagine what. Closest thing Hagen had to a relationship with a doctor was in the film Dark Interlude. In it, he plays Eric Chandler, a senator who falls in love with the plastic surgeon treating him. And that's it. His movies. Master Bruce? No time to explain now, Alfred. There never is. 
and uh and in fact uh also and we'll get i guess we could talk about this here because it's, it's it involves the character's name there's a lot of in jokes uh to like old not even that old or there are a lot of classic films yep uh one being that uh the the, the doctor's name is stella bates uh stella being the name of a woman in the uh the marlon brando film a street streetcar named desire uh, and then we also have her last name is Bates, which is the name of the uh, of the main character from uh, Psycho. And they do, in fact, mention that Mrs. Bates used to own a motel that she <laughs> sold that she then sold in order to, uh, I guess, get the money to set up this uh, this lab to help Clayface. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of cute little Hollywood Easter eggs sprinkled throughout this uh, throughout this episode. Yeah, that's then we sort of get to this ending where. Uh, Batman sort of cuts off the treatment and I guess wants to wants to help him, but wants to do it, you know, within the confines of the law. And Clayface just decides it's got to end here and sort of forces Batman tan. And they have this confrontation. They spill out into the uh, into the, the sort of these cliffs where this lab is, lab is on a just a cliff on the outskirts of town. And of course, it's raining and. Clayface begins to absorb all of the uh, the water from the rain and begins to fall apart even faster. And in fact, uh, his refusal to sort of uh, stop seeking revenge is his ultimate downfall, quite literally, as he tumbles to his apparent death in the river below. Yeah, it's, it's another tragic ending or appearance of an ending uh, for one Matt Hagen uh not quite the same impact and power that we saw in that final scene in Feet of Clay part two but still a tragedy nonetheless and and uh the rain adds certainly we'll talk about visuals in just a moment here but uh Batman is left sort of to console uh Dr. Bates and uh as she she weeps for what appears to be the loss of uh her love we of course have the benefit of foresight knowing that uh, this is not the final appearance for one Matt Hagen's clay face. In fact, the, we get a pretty interesting follow-up to this episode in the new Batman adventures, which ends up being one of your favorite episodes of, uh, of the new Batman adventures, uh, which we will of course tackle once we get across that bridge. Uh, But uh, yes. So I, I guess we can start getting into our plot scores for this week. Um, it is it is an interesting turn here. Uh, there is a lot of tragic elements that come to it. Um, interesting motivations, I think, on, on both sides of the character. They don't really give you an explanation as to why Matt Hagen, uh, other than just being a stubborn person, I wish there was a little bit more motivation for him to not accept Batman's help, uh, but to go kind of out of his own mm. way and want to do this on his own. Um, also, I, I kind of question Batman's decision to turn off the machine just as he's about <laughs> to, to transform Bat in, back into Matt Hagen. I mean, the, the, yes, it was done using stolen, stolen property, but he's seconds away from, from transforming back into Matt Hagen. And I know that there was maybe some subtle or not so subtle inferences uh, when Dr. Bates is explaining to Matt Hagen that this, what this uh, isotope can do, uh, that it would make him more powerful. And I, I feel like even if it was just a throwaway line that maybe he, that he was more interested in maintaining this Clayface persona, as opposed to the idea that he could, he could reform and turn back into Matt Hagen permanently, um, I feel like maybe if there was a little bit more inference there that he was more interested in using this isotope to be able to continue as a villainous, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a shapeshifter as opposed to regaining his his human form, that would have that would have kind of made it sense and justified Batman's decision to turn this off. You know, he doesn't know is he gonna is he actually gonna use it to turn back into Matt Hagen or is he just gonna regain and become more powerful like he was. But there isn't that there. So it really comes off as Batman just kind of being a jerk and shutting down this machine um, for the sake of the fact that it's, you know, he's using stolen stolen chemicals, which is no different than what Ferris Boyle does to Victor Freeze in Heart of Ice. Like he... <laughs> 
he turns off the machines that could have kept Nora Freeze alive in that episode. Did he have the right to? Sure, but he's still kind of a jerk in that episode. So doesn't this in turn make Batman kind of a jerk? I'd say so. And yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's there's the one scene earlier, like you said, they mentioned with they he mentions that it could make him more powerful or whatever. Um, and there's also so there's and there's also the scene earlier where uh, where the doctor is watching the the movie and he destroys the TV and says, that's not who I am anymore, you know, and, and then sort of repeats, uh, you know, upsets the doctor. He sort of somewhat coldly, you know, embraces her and repeats the line from the movie, which to me, I sort of took as this is an act for him. Like he's uh, using, he's mm-hmm. using her um, and using sort of her infatuation with him, but that's not, expressly said and if there was as i agree that there needed to be at least one line in that final act about how you know he was really using her at first just to stay alive and then he once once he found out about this isotope he wanted to use her to gain more power not to become matt hagan again but to increase his power as as clayface i think that would have been a more interesting turn because yeah, as as it stands, he's just he seems to be transforming back into a human, and then Batman shuts the machine off and and doesn't really give a good reason for why he's uh, he's got to stop Hagen here. Um, yeah, or even if it was just like dialogue between uh, Batman and Alfred, where they kind of realize what he took, and and Batman realizes what it could mean if if Clayface ingests a lot of this this new power source or whatever, but yeah. So I do think it kind of falls flat. Like I said, I kind of inferred a little bit of a little bit of maybe that he was uh, using, using the doctor also not, not the least of which, because uh, <laughs> in a previous episode, he had a, uh, a male companion that uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Matt Hagen swings that way. Like is what I, <laughs> You know, from That's a romantic a point. standpoint, That's uh, a good point. I think you know, not it's not always a binary switch for people. So perhaps he, uh, perhaps he is. Uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to assume anyone. I don't want to assume this fictional mud monster's sexuality, but uh, that 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 did strike me as him kind of like just saying saying what he thought he needed to say to get her to keep helping him in that moment. But I agree with you uh, for the most part that that because it's not explicitly stated that does hurt the uh, the final act there a little bit it is still sad and, and tragic as he you know tumbles over the side and 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 everything but it's it's also a little bit like well <laughs> that's that's the end uh and and it seems like that and they don't really they don't wink at the camera this time this, it does appear that maybe at least at the time that this was meant to be a a true end for that character. So like I said, I like this episode, but there's definitely some holes in it. And I think that why I uh, ended up with a score of six out of 10. (laughs) Very interesting that you gave it six out of 10 because I also gave it six out of 10. And uh, we haven't reminded the (laughs) listeners in quite a while, but we don't discuss our scores. Uh, We originally used to do that back in our early days, but uh, at some point we made the switch where we don't really discuss our scores before we go on the air. So uh, these come about independently, despite the fact uh, we, we end up typically with similar scores as we did today. Uh, so, y- yeah, I, th- I think the, the same reason um, I, I don't it's not a bad episode. It's enjoyable. Twenty two minutes It's very uh, it didn't feel like it dragged at any point. The, the pace was set very well. I didn't think that this was one that could have used an expansion of the story in a second part. I think they contained and told a story well within those 22 minutes, but I think those plot holes, uh, you know, of, of kind of making Batman out to be a little bit of a jerk. And um, I, I do, I do like maybe the subtlety of him, using the doctor but because it's not explicitly said it's you know it's difficult to say that he did or or was or was not uh doing that specifically so because we have to kind of draw the (laughs) draw our own conclusions there you know i think that's why we ended up both giving it uh, a, a little bit of a lower score than we otherwise would have 
Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, with some uh, with uh, with that. Definitely some things to like, but uh, you know, not a uh, not a home run, as it were. Indeed. Let's move on to our next category, Liam, which will be visual and animation. Uh, this is a large category to talk about. Of course, we have a uh, a very interesting physical looking character here with different traits and shape shifting and. Uh, I feel like the the animators had a lot of fun as they did in prior episodes with this. Uh, looking up, uh, kind of talking about the animation studio itself. Um, we you mentioned the studio Junio or Junio, whatever it is, um, is not one that was used too many times. Uh, it was uh, previously used in uh, the Underdwellers. <laughs> Ew. Uh, dollar in the jar dollar into that episode jar it was also used in dreams and darkness that we've covered uh both in the archives at dcaureview.com uh and then there's a few several others that we'll cover in the future that uh that they that they did but they only did it looks like one two three four five according to the dcau wiki only seven episodes that this animation studio ended up doing so um interesting i felt like most of the characters look to be pretty much um on model uh this is leans a little bit more towards that uh pointier nose uh droopier cow longer eared batman uh, more than the square jaw batman but there was I, I felt like almost a hybrid between the two uh the two styles here that i felt like at points it kind of did shift a little bit more to that that square jawed batman yeah i mean i thought it was i thought it was pretty consistent um which again we've talked about that a lot that's that's generally what all all we want <laughs> Uh, you know, different animation studios, different directors, different storyboard artists. It's not always going to look exactly the same, same as, uh, you know, different artists drawing, uh, drawing the same character in different comic books. It happens. Um, but yeah, I thought that Batman has a pretty consistent look throughout all of it. Yeah, it is. It is interesting because it's not the real long droopy nose and the super, super elongated and kind of angular chin but it's it is some some sort of uh as you said a hybrid between that and the sort of uh, you know very you know straight up on model super square jawed uh, design. So yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's fine. I think it, for the most part, I think and part of that I think is because of the content of the episode. We don't get a lot of the miraculous and uh, incredible transformations from Clayface in this episode that we we got in the first one it's a little, a little bit more it feels a little more horror based his uh his uh is melting the scene where he is uh, disguised as the the scientist on the subway and his face slowly begins to melt and he sort of headbutts the the window and his head kind of explodes into mud and and everyone sort of runs away as you see the mud and and clay sort of start to cover cover this someone's body as she sort of slowly melts back into clay face it definitely feels like there was more of a horror influence on this episode than uh the previous one which maybe had more of an eastern anime feel to it look at that lady mommy she's got mud all over her I got you cold. Other way around, Hagen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There was, there was a lot of horror elements. That scene in particular really stood out as a very terrifying 
bit, Batman swings in and after uh, after Clayface has scared off the passengers into the uh, adjoining car, Batman steps up and kicks, kind of swings and kicks him. And he goes and he lands, uh, he, he kicks Clayface in the back. So Clayface slides headfirst into this door. And then all of a sudden, his head shifts from where it was on one end to the, to the opposite end where his feet are in one, one transformation. I thought that was, that was really great. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think the, the things that are going to stand out in this episode certainly are the, the, the moments involving Clayface. There were a cute couple cute nods. Um, the, uh, I saw a few places online where they, they mentioned that the containment suit that he, that he was put in sort of looked like an Oscar statue, uh, made him sort of resemble the, the Oscar or the, uh, Academy Award statue. I thought mm-hmm. that was cute. Also keeping with that, that, uh, Hagen film theme, um, I thought that the scene actually uh, there's a there's a scene early on in the episode where Alfred and, and Batman are in the Batcave and uh, Batman's doing this research and trying to figure out what's going on with Matt Hagen. And he's sitting there really close. To, it's a smaller version of the Bat computer than we're usually used to. And uh, he's sitting in front of it and there's this front lighting hitting him right in the face. It's a very different, uh, different kind of look than we're used to. Uh, we don't usually get that front lighting on Batman. So his whole cow is blue and you really get the the backlighting or the front lighting from the computer uh, as he's sort of talking to Alfred there and typing. He's using his hands to gesture. I thought that was that scene was animated really, really well um, and stood out, uh, stood out for me. Um, I thought uh, I thought also that the the uh, certainly the final the final scene and uh, different, different clay face transformations. He uses, uh, he creates, he uses his hands to create sort of a, a, uh, a scythe or a, a giant hook at one point. Another point he uses mm-hmm. a, a mace, a ball and ball and chain mace uh, a, attachment. Um, he uh, at, at the end, as you, as we mentioned, as he's fighting in the rain, he's absorbing the rain. He, he, he really starts to melt that melting process that happens in that scene and that opening scene where Batman's chasing him and uh, all, all of that. Very, very powerful. But I think, I think I would be, we would be remiss, Liam, not to mention uh, the, maybe the most horrifying scene. I think it goes right up there with the scene in Batman beyond where ink uh, jams herself down Terry's throat. <laughs> and that is the scene where Matt Hagen decides that he is going to drown Batman in himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a, that's a very, uh, it's a pretty disturbing little scene. There's uh, Clayface decides this is the only way. And so he literally grabs Batman, stuffs him inside his chest and begins to suffocate him. And, even within that, I think there's another fun little, I believe it's, I think it's an alien reference uh, where we see still completely encased in, in clay. We just see like the, the, the outline of Batman's cow bursting out of Clayface's chest and then Clayface shoves it back in uh, with, you know, and, and while, while this is happening, you know, there's a, it's a glass window behind them. You see the lightning striking behind them. It's a very dramatic uh, visual for that. And then, yes, we, you know, Batman sort of slowly claws his way open and gets one breath of air before Clayface shoves him back down. And then finally, the way uh, Batman is able to get out of it is, uh, you know, to shoot the grappling hook up out of Clayface's head and pull himself out. But it's a it's pretty dramatic, especially with, you know, where you see that the, you see Batman sort of flailing and thrashing and you see the hands sort of sticking out and then going back in. It's it is very uh very horror movie based. Time for your final bow, Batman. Matthew, no, you can't. It's the only way. Please stop it. Think, Stella. Do you want that, Hagen, or this? No. No, you don't. Is is he? Almost. I can feel his heart slowing, slowing. Ha 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 ha! Huh? Ah! 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 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty shocked. I guess I don't know how they got this past standards and practices that this was something they could show Batman being suffocated and then him shooting a a grappling gun out of the back of Clayface's head. <laughs> you you literally <laughs> see the, you know, the explosion come out of the back of his head and him scream in pain as this, you know, as the grappling hook shoots out from from the back of his head. Really, really. Uh, a great visual, great scene. As you mentioned, the the lightning strike as Batman's head is coming out is I think the it is pretty much the highlight of that scene. Done animated really, really well. Uh, I would love to see some of the original storyboards from that. Uh, it just see how what the original drawings were and what they had in mind compared to what actually ended up coming out because it's 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 really really intense. Um, but uh, that that scene really really strong. Um, I you know I I had also mentioned the the transformation on the subway, especially when he smashes his head up, up against the glass and uh, you know the the passengers around him start to to freak out. But uh, really, I think that the tragic ending of this episode is really highlighted and really um, emphasized is. Uh, as they go over the cliff, Batman and, and Clayface are fighting and, and they, they go over the cliff together and Batman is hanging on and Clayface sort of has a, a tentacle, if you will, a, attached to Batman and he's slowly slipping and Batman tells him he's got to pull himself together and uh, he delivers kind of this last line and plummets into the water as he can't can't maintain his solidity and he falls down into the water and they, they kind of the camera pans down into the water and you see the body hit. And then the next they cut to sort of the surface of the water and you see just the shape of, uh, you know, the outline of a human man there. And then it very quickly dissipates and, and, and goes away. And it's um, you know, it, it really, really plays into that final, (laughs) that final tragic ending of this character or what you believe to be the ending of this character is he, you know, he he literally can no longer hold himself together. And that man is just, he's gone. He's disintegrated. There is nothing left anymore of this, of this man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's a very, uh, very tragic ending. And we'll certainly get into that in, in voice acting, even in music a little bit later, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the visuals do a good job of sort of illustrating that all throughout the episode, even as we mentioned in that first sort of uh, chase scene right at the beginning with him and Batman as he, you know, he, turns his hand into the massive mallet and smashes a car and then you just see this giant puddle of of clay that he's leaving behind like everything he's doing he's leaving like these giant puddles of residue uh and you know he ends up like leaning up against the dumpster and kind of barely even stand at that point and and yeah they they do some uh some some very cool things uh a few other minor things i will mention i didn't really have a good place to put this so i guess i'll put it here is uh this is this uh, this episode and and the movie that Matt Hagen is in is referenced in the Batman Arkham Knight video game. Uh, there's a, a poster for it uh, in uh, I believe it's in Batgirl's office at one point or Oracle's office at one point. And then uh, and the other note I had is that when Alfred is looking over magazine co- covers to try to figure out who the woman is, uh, Matt Hagen apparently was photographed with Marilyn Monroe at some point. That's pretty funny. Uh, I I like that. Yeah, there was the stacks and stacks of the magazines really kind of drove home the fact that this guy, and I don't know they properly, they mentioned that he was a movie star in that, that first, first episode, but I don't know that I, I quite got from that episode, just how big of a movie star that he was supposed to have been. Uh, And the, the stacks and stacks of, 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 uh, of Hollywood mags that Alfred is looking through as he's trying to make this, connection to figure out who this doctor could be helping him uh is is there's just stacks of them really drives that that point home that he was it was essentially you know one of the hollywood elite uh, that has had this tragic downturn into this you know villainous tragedy yeah absolutely that that, that is an interesting wrinkle that yeah they definitely didn't really they didn't really explain in in that first episode but yeah, so I, I think visuals very strong in this episode. Um, like we said, not not the same t- type of visuals that we got in the, in the first Clayface episode, but I think it worked for the story they were telling because it was meant to be more of a, a body horror story. Um, so I ended up giving visuals a very strong 9 out of 10. 
Nice. Um, I felt like between the the scene on the subway and the scene with Batman being smothered inside of him and just the visuals that accompanied that, along with that, even that very first, uh, that lumbering slow chase scene, as you mentioned, just really being able to to communicate the exhaustion and the the you know he's it's almost like you know he's out of shape he's just you know pun intended he's he you know he can't hold himself together and he comes to the end after batman's chasing him he just collapses on that dumpster and it's just so exhausted uh like i felt that i felt that through the visuals so i felt like i had no choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of 10 oh very nice yeah all right, Liam. Uh, well, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music, which, uh, again, as we mentioned last week, the entirety of the Batman soundtrack has been released uh, for listening capabilities. But uh, this one is not one of those ones where I felt like you would need to listen to these tracks in isolation just because of how powerful and how um, how strong they use the recurring themes, both of them. There's sort of this very tragic underlying uh sad i think it's a flute uh sounding track that plays uh when when they want to you know uh, emote that that feeling of tragedy but then when it's clayface and he's sort of you know lumbering or 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 about to wreak havoc there's this heavier horn-based deeper um deeper sounding uh, theme menacing theme if you will uh that plays and they they marry them uh, shirley walker married them so well together in in the composition of them and uh the music really really comes through in this episode and and calls back to that first episode of feet of clay yeah it, what struck me is that in the first in in feet of clay that that clay face theme is played very very in very somber sort of strings very it's played very tragically um and it's still played that way to an extent in this episode but it's there's again there's a more sort of dramatic i don't know sinister is the right term but it's there's a lot more horns this time i felt um and it, it strikes a little bit of a different note of uh especially i think during some of the the, the action scenes there it, it's it's still the same theme. It's still strike. It's still the same notes. You can still tell what it is, but it's it definitely has a, a different uh, a different a different note. Uh, no pun intended this time. It definitely has a a different uh, a different. It's a different style of the of the same theme, and that's that's one thing that of, of course Shirley Walker was was so good at with uh, you know with the Batman theme itself and with a lot of these different villain themes was taking the same piece of music and you know changing the key or changing the instrument you play it on and it gives it a completely different uh, type of meaning and gives the episode an entirely different feel yeah i agree with you. I, you there's there's even points where they play that that more tragic maybe the matt hagan or the you know the I, I don't know what other word is other than the tragic side of the Clayface theme. And she plays it in sort of off key notes and, and sort of uh, minor keys, as opposed to the, the standard tuning of the, of the typical notes. And it, it sort of just adds to this whole, this whole theme that he's falling apart. And this isn't the same Matt Hagen uh, that, you know, we even saw at post Clayface transformation in, in, in feet of clay that, this really is the the monster that's coming unwound and and, and is barely holding himself together, and um, you know it, it's is sort of succumbing to this 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 tragic, diseased end uh, that he's about to face. So I thought she did that really well. I think that the scene also that we talked about in visuals that was so strong with the the smothering or the drowning of Batman in inside of Clayface mm-hmm. is played really well too because the music sort of slows down to this very menacing crawl as Batman as 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 you hear Ron Perlman come through and 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 talk about you know his heart is slowing down and uh you know he's feeling it and then he laughs he has this evil maniacal laugh we'll talk about in our voice acting in just a second but he has this evil laugh that comes through and then the grappling gun shoots out of the back of of Clayface's head and the Batman theme plays and uh, Batman Mm -hmm. flies out of the back of his head and 
Uh, this is very triumphant, and one of the few times I felt like that they that they used the Batman theme for this, or that she chose to use the Batman theme for this episode. But uh, it really punctuates that that Batman triumphant moment uh, with with that Shirley Walker Batman theme. Yeah, I I, I think it was uh, definitely held back on the on the traditional Batman theme a bit in this episode. Yeah, the um the only other couple little musical notes I had was the very end when. Uh, this it's it's sort of very sudden. It, it almost seems like it could be something out of out of Star Wars or some other kind of big blockbuster movie. Is uh, the it's sort of very sudden dramatic music when when they sort of tumble over the cliff and you see Clayface begin to fall and 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 everything. It's it's very uh, dramatic, just and sudden and just kind of one or two notes and then it stops and then one or two more notes and then it stops. It's, kind of build the tension as uh, as they get closer to the edge and then and then finally fall over uh i, I thought that was uh, that was pretty brilliant and then there's a there's a right as batman is sort of leaving the bat cave near the end you see the the door open up for him to drive out and you see lightning strike and you get a little bit of music there i thought i thought it was uh used pretty effectively there as well so yeah overall i thought the uh, the music was was quite tremendous in the episode probably the strongest part of the episode for me and that's saying something because obviously I, I liked visuals uh, quite a bit as well. So for all that being said, I actually gave uh, music in this episode a perfect 10 out of 10. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I also gave music a perfect 10 out of 10. Uh, a phenomenal score. It's one that's instantly memorable. Uh, I love the callbacks to that original theme. I love when there's a theme that, that re- recurs when you have a recurring villain um, these are all things that really add to that continuity and that that character building. And, uh, you know, we love talking about the greatness of the late, great Shirley Walker and, and just how what a phenomenal uh, mind for music that she was and, and how great, mm-hmm. great, great she was and what an unsung hero at times she was uh, throughout this series. But uh, yeah, she this, this is another episode that perfectly showcases her talent and uh, well-deserved, I think, 10 out of 10 for both of us. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's move to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. And uh, while uh, I think because we don't have a ton of characters this week to discuss, we don't have a giant cast to speak of either. Uh, But there are some big heavy hitters in this week that we can talk about. So uh, I'll throw it over to you to talk about this week's voice cast. Yeah, as far as a, a guest cast, really the only the only name is this uh, this Dr. Stella Bates. Uh, Pat Music uh, plays her, uh, a real a real veteran uh, voice actress. And honestly, it was hard. Uh, I did find one or two recognizable roles. She played the uh, the newscaster on on the Tick, uh, our cartoon uh, Sally Vacuum. But uh, a lot of a lot of her credits are you know woman number two or additional voices by and that's and I don't say that obviously to to belittle her her acting chops but it seems like she was just kind of a a uh, you know a good like ensemble cast member and not necessarily always the star but uh, obviously had a had has had a uh, a very long uh, long and successful career actually played Martha Wayne in an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold at one point as well so uh, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think she she does a good job, and it's interesting because again we sort of figure out her motivation early on that she is in love with. She may not even be really in love with Matt Hagen so much as she's in love with the movie version of Matt Hagen. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, so it would have been fun maybe to explore her her. her yeah, maybe it would have been more fun to explore her mental. Uh, her, her side of things a little bit more in the episode, but I, I think she does a good job of playing a, a woman that very clearly cares for this, this monster, but is also probably a little bit unhinged herself. Yeah. She doesn't, cl- she clearly doesn't have it all together. She, you know, she's a little bit of a fangirl, I think. Uh, I, and again, I think her obsessing and seeing herself as this doctor uh, in this, this movie, as we see in the, in the, the scene where she's watching uh, Matt Hagen's one of Matt Hagen's movies, she clearly sees herself as this doctor <laughs> that loves, uh, that loves Matt Hagen. So it's interesting that <laughs> that's sort of her motivation to end up being with Matt Hagen. So, you know, like you said, does she, 
does she like Matt Hagen or does she like the idea of this movie character that he played is it's kind of left a little bit ambiguous, but uh, I think she does it. She does a fine job. She, it is a little bit, I think her performance is a little bit uh, it felt like maybe she was going for that, that sort of forties actress sort of over the, a little bit over the top type uh, performance that if you watch any movies from that era, uh, the way that the women talked and, and sort of the way that they delivered their lines was a little bit over the top. But I think for this character and for, you know, all of the nods to that old Hollywood era, I think that worked really well for this for this episode. Yeah, I think she did a good job. Uh, of course, yeah, not really many others in the way of guest characters. So we just have our, uh, we obviously have Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. as my Alfred. And uh, we have, uh, before we get to Batman, we will talk about, of course, the, the main villain of the piece, the returning uh, Ron Perlman as Clayface. And one thing I found, and I think it works because he's, a, he's an actor. So he's, he's a very dramatic man. But like almost every line out of out of his mouth in this episode is is something of a of a cliche or a you know a, a classic you know a villain line or uh, something or some sort of like acting pun. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of his dialogue, and obviously that's not that's not on the fault of the actor. I think he does a tremendous job, especially in those more violent and and sort of psychotic moments that he has in the episode but uh, it is it, it did strike me like wow there's a lot of like the cur- it's curtains for you batman and 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 that kind of thing going on and and uh, uh yeah he's he's very uh, he's very over the top in this episode yeah that that whole final scene he i think he drops three or four straight acting puns uh which again you're right he didn't write them uh, and I actually think the way that he delivers them, they're subtle enough. It's not a wink and a nod. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger and Batman and Robin uh, delivering his ice puns. You know, it's not that over the top and obvious. Uh, so the way that he delivers them and the dramatic way that he's sort of screaming them as he as he takes tries to take batman out is uh i i think it's effective enough but the emotion that he has to he has to convey in this this as the the frustrated and and sort of i guess he's sort of power hungry and he's still trying to maintain this but he's powerless of this degenerative state that he's in um he is he is sort of using this woman or possibly using this woman to get uh, as a means to get to the end that he's desiring he's he's trying to beat the clock uh, literally at times to to you know maintain the stability in his in his uh in his form so to speak uh, i think he does i think he does a does a great job though he's he's another one of those voices that um you know, is iconic for his many acting roles, obviously, you know, being in Sons of Anarchy and Hellboy and a myriad of other, other Hollywood uh, acting jobs. But he's, uh, you know, his voice as Clayface could have at, at times, especially with this dialogue veered into that corny. And I don't think that, I don't think it ever does in this case. Yeah, no, I, I think, like I said, I, I do generally think it works because this character is a is a thespian, is an actor, and so he is very dramatic in his uh, in his his diet. And you add to that that his his condition has worsened and sort of his psychosis has deepened uh, since we last saw him. I, I do think it generally works pretty well for the episode. Um, and then, yeah, uh, aside from uh, Mr. Perlman and, uh, and Miss Music, we have, of course, Kevin Conroy's Batman, um, who for most of the episode is kind of just there. He and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.'s Alfred are just kind of pondering <laughs> what's going on exactly. They sort of are slowly piecing together this mystery. We see Batman doing a bit of detective work, trying to figure things out. And again, Alfred is sort of scaring, scouring Matt Hagen's career to find a connection to this woman and and uh, and then again, it, it all sort of comes to a head in that in that final that final fight. There is even even as Matt Hagen has tried to suffocate him and and kill him, Batman is still sort of reaching out and and yelling to him to try to try to get him to to hold it together uh, to to hopefully save his life. But uh, yeah, overall, I think 
I didn't think anyone was great, great in this episode, but I think it's a, another very strong episode uh, vocally from our sort of our, our three or, or four main players here. So I, I ended up on a score of eight out of 10 for my voice acting. Nice. Um, so I went, uh, actually ended up going with a perfect 10 out of 10 uh, for my acting. Wow. Uh, I actually really adored the, the interactions between Alfred and Batman in this episode, between Ephraim Zemblis Jr. and Kevin Conroy. Um, I thought their interactions, there was a lot of the story that was carried between their sort of investigation together and uh, Alfred doing his best to try and keep up with Bruce uh <laughs> in the middle of the investigation at times even being you know subtly snarky and uh i i love the line that he delivers as batman is sitting at the computer and and he's he's trying to break down uh pun intended he's trying to break down the fact that that clayface is having difficulty maintaining his composure and uh alfred responds with how grotesque would you like some tea <laughs> <laughs> like it's so he's just so matter of fact like he's he's heard all of this before it's no, it's it's mm-hmm. no skin off of his nose you know it's whatever okay yeah it's very gross would you like some tea master Bruce? like am i correct in assuming the metamorphic mr hagen is back in town sir back but not for long i guess it seems that clayface is losing his integrity i wasn't aware that he ever had any to begin with I'm speaking in a physiological sense, Alfred. Based on destructive ultrasonic analysis of the sample, the molecular bonding of his clay flesh is breaking down. He's falling apart, literally. How grotesque. T? Whatever medical process he's using to keep himself together must cost a fortune, which is why he's committing robberies. And that woman helping him, what's her stake in this? Perhaps she enjoys mud baths. Uh, it's, it's a great transition, <laughs> but there's some great back and forth between the two of them. And ironically, I felt like that they they end up doing a large portion, despite the fact that the main focus is Clayface. The main focus is his relationship with uh, with Stella Bates. It's it's interesting that I felt like there is a significant portion that is carried by Kevin Conroy and, and Ephraim Zemblis Jr.'s interaction. And that starts right from the beginning, Alfred's classic line, your goose is cooked. Uh, and then, <laughs> then as they do the investigation together and, and, and him pouring over entertainment magazines while, while Batman is out, like, I just, I just love that visual of Alfred looking through old people magazines from the forties to figure out, you know, to find a little tidbits and gossip rumors about Matt Hagen's life. <laughs> <laughs> uh so good it's pretty, yeah it's pretty incredible there the, and the line as uh as batman sort of figures out the mystery and you know runs jumps in the batmobile to go away and he's no time to explain and and alfred just sort of goes well there never is is there as, as batman's pulling away it's like look there's time like clearly he had time and he has a radio in the batmobile he could explain this to alfred if (laughs) if he really wanted to he just doesn't he just doesn't like he's just not good at communicating that's the issue here but uh no the yeah the back and forth between the two of them is uh is definitely very good this episode yeah i agree all right liam well that one leaves well well, wouldn't you know, I uh, haven't heard that sound in a while, and then we hear it last week, and then we hear it this week, and that means, of course, that there is a bonus point uh, as we wrap and up it's, here. It doesn't, it, and it doesn't appear to be mine this week, so that must mean you've got one, Cal. Uh, you are spot on, my friend. Uh, good, good intuition there. Uh, so uh, I will mention that, uh, so this episode is interesting. Last week, your bonus point, if I recall, uh, as we reviewed uh, the man who killed batman which of course if you did not check out that classic episode make sure give that a listen in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app but uh, i would say uh, you ended up giving a bonus point for the title card and ironically this week Mm -hmm. uh, my bonus point also is for the title card and uh, at some (laughs) point at some point we will do a bonus episode where we'll talk or maybe even discuss this league to, to talk about the the best of the best of these iconic Batman the animated series title cards that just added so much character and there's so much nostalgia around them uh, that when you see them you recognize feelings come flooding back 
and you recognize it. But I love that this one plays directly off of that original uh, Feet of Clay title card, which has the the uh, the the masks, the drama masks, the uh, the 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 tragedy and comedy masks uh, that you often see mm-hmm. as as a visual representation of. Of, of acting or or the art uh, the art of of acting and uh this one uh, as we see uh has the only the tragic mask the tragedy mask and uh it is not only the tragedy mask it's cracked uh so giving you that idea that this is uh a tragic story that we're about to witness and that there's something that is not uh quite all put together there and then of course the shadow uh from that tragedy mask uh is re- you know reveals the silhouette of of Clayface's head uh right there on the uh mm-hmm. on on the mask just a a great visual one that is just iconic to me when you th- when i think about the the uh the title cards from this series so many of them and uh, again i feel like we could probably give a bonus point for the title card most weeks that we review batman the animated series but uh (laughs) really 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 strong for this week i love this one i love the continuity of it i love the link back and the throwback to that original clayface episode uh which is not something we get a whole lot between especially between the title cards where they're direct nods or direct homages to the original episodes when it's a follow-up so uh, i love that i felt like it was worth the uh the bonus point so i figured heck why not if you can give uh, a title card a bonus point uh, i will too love it man I- yeah, I, uh, I I did have a note about the uh, the title card that I had forgotten to mention in our in our visuals section. So it's nice that we uh, we gave it its own special shout out here in the uh, in the bonus point section because yeah, it is very striking how not only does it play off the title card from Feet of Clay, but also sort of uh, you know shows off. It sort of gives you a little taste of what the episode is going to be. As you said, the the mask is deteriorating, and you see the the silhouette of Clayface behind it, and it's it's very very striking and very memorable. Absolutely agreed. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode, uh, totaling everything up, including with my bonus point. Uh, I ended up giving this episode a 37 out of 40 putting it in our top picks section uh what about you yeah i'm uh, i'm a few points lower here not a giant disparity no need for the disagreement alarm but uh i ended up at a 33 out of 40 so still a, a very strong score and uh yeah i think i think this is uh despite my personal score not making it i i, I do think this episode deserves to be uh be in the conversation of those top picks. So uh, very cool that it ended up there, even if uh, even if you liked it a bit more than I did, at least score wise. But uh, as we get into to rewatchability, uh, yeah, I would say this is definitely one one that you should watch. Not only is like we said, it's a more direct sequel uh, to to a a classic two part episode, but uh, you know the events of this episode are then referenced in his uh, his next in one of his next appearances uh, way down the line in the new Batman Adventures. So I definitely give this one a thumbs up for uh, for rewatchability. Yeah, I realized in post production uh, that we did not discuss uh, rewatchability for the man who the man who killed Batman. So we can actually retroactively do that in just a minute here. But uh, uh, yeah, I would also I would also say that because of the importance of this episode and. Uh, and because of the the nature in which it is followed up upon and and it, there's actually parts of this that you know that play into that that follow up and that episode as we mentioned is is one of your favorites and one of the most emotional impactful episodes of that new batman adventures run um, it's a good episode like i said it's paced very well it doesn't feel like a drag there's some good action uh, there's some great visuals, there's tremendous music, uh, and, and there's some really good voice acting as well. So uh, all those reasons, I give it a thumbs up. It's uh, yeah, put this one on, watch it in order, though. Make sure that you make sure that you don't watch this one out of order. If you haven't seen Feet of Clay, go back and watch that one uh, and then uh, listen to a review of that one before uh, before you check this one out. So, uh, by the way, uh, I, I think we can both agree that Man Who Killed Batman also fall, falls into that category of uh, it's a <laughs> watch also 
<laughs> yeah, I would say so. It's it's a pretty iconic episode for the uh, for the Joker scenes alone. So, yeah, a retroactive thumbs up for that episode as well. Didn't want you what if I'm sure sure the listeners at home are like, what the heck? Do these guys think we should watch this or not? Uh, so you guys were waiting <laughs> with bated breath to hear our opinion on that. Uh, you you uh, you are served justice is served this week. So, way to go. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget, uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app if you have not done so already. Also, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star review, letting us know, describing uh, what it is that you enjoy about the program. We would greatly appreciate that. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to us on other podcast apps, including Spotify and Google Podcasts as well as iHeartRadio. We are an Anchor distributed podcast also, so you can get your podcast directly from Anchor if you wish. Uh, and you can also check out the entire archives at dcaureview.com where you can check out our other top picks, our other best of the best episodes, and actually our worst episodes also are the ones that we <laughs> put in the bad episode jar. If you're interested in hearing what some of those are, uh, you can check out those as well. They are just as fun to hear us describe, in my opinion. Uh, if you wish to support the podcast, you can also check out our store. There is a tab at the top of the page. You can go check that out. Get yourself uh, a shirt, a hat, a mug, sticker, uh, lots of stuff over there for you to grab. And also, don't forget, we are a proud part of the pod tower on YouTube. Uh, That's right. Our friends at the watchtower database, as well as our friends at Tim talk podcast, you can grab all of their content alongside of us uh, by subscribing to the pod tower YouTube page. Uh, If you, if you decide to uh, even if you don't listen to your podcast on YouTube, do us a favor, go and go and subscribe to that channel. Uh, It takes 30 seconds. Just, you know, search for the pod tower and subscribe to it. Uh, it supports us. It supports other DCAU content creators. Uh, and who knows, you know, one day your podcast app may be down, so you can head over to YouTube and, and check out, uh, check out the archives there, if you will. Uh, speaking Liam of our podcast, uh, as we roll on here through the month of April, uh, that means we are continuing with yet another Batman, the animated series episode next week. So let's give a quick little preview for what that episode is. That is right. We've got another episode of Batman the Animated Series coming at you next week. And this one is another, this is an interesting one. And it's one that doesn't involve a big time, big name super villain. Uh, And instead it is a a more character focused episode. And it is in fact entitled Paging the Crime Doctor. Interested to check out this one because this is another one of those again, as you said, it's character driven, not a not a big bad bad baddie in this one. So we'll be interested to see if this holds up and is one of those uh, because this is a, a story uh, driven episode. If if uh, if we like it or if this is one of those that uh, doesn't hold up in my childhood memories of groaning whenever this episode came on, uh, hold hold fast. <laughs> Uh, But I look forward to reviewing that with you next week. Uh, But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DC. Bye-bye.